A real bodice ripper contains explicit, salacious, delicious, not safe for work content. Isn't that great? But no, seriously, listener discretion is advised. A real bodice ripper. 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 Oh, here we are. Here we are in a little nook. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. We're in this like tiny little magical chamber in our friend's house. Yes. And this is where we're filming our podcast because it's just the perfect little space for this. Are you filming me? Oh, filming. <laughs> <laughs> I have secret cameras there and there. <laughs> uh, recording. <laughs> I feel so exposed. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm Rachel. I'm Jesse. And welcome to A, a Real, Real Bodice Ripper. A podcast that explores the delicious, guilty, and sometimes problematic pleasure that is found in romance novels. Just sometimes. Just sometimes. <laughs> sometimes no. it's great. And honestly, true. Um, we're going to talk about a great book today. Yes. We have a book for you that... Um, this was a revisit for me. I'd read it a few years back, and it was really interesting to revisit it. Because I think I was very much like overwhelmed by how exciting and fun and wonderful it was then and now I have grown a lot over the years and I'm like wow I'm a different person now so it's interesting to revisit and have different feelings toward this woman's coming of age story yeah and this book came out in like 2007 right like the late aughts yes and it was like peak boner for sparkly vampire time oh yes we love them sparkly vampires of all kinds and this book is called the Rest Falls Away. It's book one of the Gardella Vampire Hunters by Colleen Gleason, and she lovingly refers to it as Buffy in corsets. Love that. Yes, I love it. I was a huge Buffy fan. Same. I watched that from junior high all the way through high school. I couldn't get enough of it. Probably, I cried a little bit when it was over. I did. I also cried when her mom died. That was when she rough. found that is still one of the hardest episodes on television. That it, it really dives into grief. Like that was a hard episode. It was. It was. So. It was it was an amazing show and I think it was something that was a huge part of my growing up. So revisiting this was fun. It is, yeah. So we'll go ahead and get right into it. I will read the book description and then we'll get into our rating systems. So here is the description for The Rest Falls Away, book one in the Gardella Vampire Hunters. Beneath the glitter of dazzling 19th century London society lurks a bloodthirsty evil. Just as Lady Victoria Gardella is preparing for her debut into London society, she learns the shocking and impossible truth about her family legacy. She's one of the very few who has the power and responsibility to hunt and slay the evil vampires that infest the city. With infinite questions, where will she hide her stake? How will she know a vampire when she encounters one? How will she sneak out at night? Victoria agrees to shoulder the responsibility and carry the stake, despite the societal restrictions and expectations of her as a female. 
But as she moves between the crush of ballrooms and dangerous moonlit streets, juggling the expectations of her mother and the requirements of her obligations, Victoria's heart is torn between London's most eligible bachelor, the Marquess of Rockley, and her dark, dangerous duty. And when she comes face to face with the most powerful vampire in history, Victoria must ultimately make a choice between duty and love. <sighs> duty and love. It's a hard thing to choose between. We've all been there. We've all been stuck between duty and love, I yes. guess. What you have to do and what you want to do. Exactly. There's a lot to say about this book. So let's, we, we can get right into the rating systems and then we'll kind of talk well, about it more. Uh, but actually, first, oh. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the <gasps> author. Thank you, Rachel. Yes. We, Sorry, Colleen. This is new. <laughs> we we decided to add this little bit in um, because we figure we want you to know a little bit about the people that are writing the books that we're talking to you about. And so um, Colleen Gleason is the author of this book, and she is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling and award-winning author of many genres. From historical romance to supernatural mysteries, Colleen's work features strong heroines, fast-paced adventure, and partnership. Colleen believes that every person deserves a partner who accepts them for their strengths as well as their weaknesses. You can find her online at ColleenGleason.com, and you can follow her on Facebook and Twitter. So, Thank yeah. you. Yes. And her Twitter is pretty fantastic. Right now, it's very political, very much reflecting everything that's going on in the country right now, and I'm living for it. So yeah. I definitely recommend checking it out. I'm digging that. Yeah, definitely. She's, yeah, I checked her out and I was, I was, uh, I was pretty happy to see that she's like having like conversations about like Black Lives Matter. She's having conversations about br- police brutality. So fuck yeah, Colleen. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So um, then next we have our rating systems. Yes, that's where we are now. <laughs> there are a couple things that we rate our books on. Uh, first of all, is our spice rating. And this is how spicy we found the book, how sexy we found it. And for this, uh, we didn't find it super caliente. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You gave it about a 2.5. I love you. Yeah, it's about a 2.5. Lots of innuendos, not a lot of action. And it's like, you know, it doesn't have to just be sex. Like, it's, it's about... It's the build, it's the burn. Yeah, and what we kind of found with this book is the anticipatory scenes tended to be sexier than the actual fulfillment of sex. (laughs) The completions. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it has a lot to do with who Victoria decides to have sex with in this book. Yes. I've read all five books. Her decision-making skills do improve. That's good. That's good. We like (laughs) to grow as people and make better decisions about our life partners as we learn and live. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, like with this, it just it wasn't super spicy. There are a couple scenes we'll talk about that we did really like. Um, But then there was actually I mean, she slept with the person not that much and it was very basic, you know, missionary (laughs) In the bedroom. It was like, it was wedding sex. Um, and, um, <laughs> Taking a virginity. Exactly. But it was, I mean, it wasn't even, like, I don't know. And it, the romance itself was, yeah, we'll get it out into the tropes, but, like, the, the romance in this book was just a little, it was very tame. Like, it was, yeah. there's definitely a lot of plot, and I, I don't I don't mind that. I don't like, I don't mind the fact that there was a lot of plot. It's just, I felt a little, like, it was lackluster in, like, the whole, like, ooh, will they or won't they? 
Yes. yes. So. so spice rating, 2.5. Uh, for the trope rating, this, and for those that don't know, a trope is kind of a literary device sort of thing. Maybe we should look at the actual one day. Uh, meaning of that one day. Uh, but what we think of it as is a literary sort of device or something that you see in literature where it is like something that always happens, like a certain equation that happens to move things along. So yeah. friends to lover, or yeah, friends to lovers, enemies to lovers, um, Highlander, certain, arranged marriage. Yeah, all these things like, that we see over and over. I'm trying to think of the word, and I can't think of the word. Where describe a the stereotype. word. A stereotype. It's a, that's a stereotype. It, it reminds me of stereotypes. Like, oh, it's the stereotype that you see in this book. Yeah, there's <laughs> there are stereotypes that are used to kind of push the plot forward that are just so typical and, like, yeah. So, you're right. This What did we give this? We, we, gave, it a, we gave it a four. We found it quite tropey. Yeah, it's, it, this is not a five, by the way. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> out of five. <laughs> We gave it a four, so very tropey. We're good at this. Yeah. Yeah, spice rating was at five as well. <laughs> yeah, 2.5 out of five, so you get it now. Yeah, in four out of five, there was a lot of tropes. There was kind of an enemies to lovers, uh, forbidden love. Forbidden love. Um, there is the whole having to choose between duty and love. Yeah. Uh, the virgin. Yeah, yeah, virgin. Like, you know, she, yeah, is, she I guess, was a like, virgin. And um, yeah, it was very, very tropey. It was tropetastic. So, and then um, our last rating, which is the overall rating, this kind of looks at quality of story and just kind of overall what we thought of the book as a whole piece, as a product. Yes, and we gave it a 3.5. And um, I think that this was also really interesting because it's a first in a series. So it's kind of a lot of setting the stage. It's setting up where this is going to go. And... So, yeah, it was a great place to start. Yeah, like, I definitely, I think, as I since we've read this book, I have read all five. <laughs> um, I, so been, it's really good enough to keep you coming back, reading yeah. them all. And, and for reference, I've read them all as well, but it's been many years, so yeah. <laughs> I'm having to revisit them. <laughs> and for me, it's been many weeks, but it's in quarantine, so it feels like many years. That makes sense. That makes sense. But the books do get better. And I I mean, and it's like, I think you're right. It's really setting the stage. And I think it does it in a really, really nice way because we get introduced to Victoria's mindset as she becomes literally a vampire killer. Yep. At a time where all she's expected to do is have a good marriage and settle down and make babies. Right. Because we're dealing with like, this is the 1820s, right? Early 1800s. I think it's more Victorian times. So isn't that late? I don't know. I should have looked at that better. I feel like I, I because I've read all five books recently, I do think it's like early 1800s, like okay. 1820s. Well, I know it's Victorian times whenever that falls. If I'm history. wrong, I'm I sorry. Then you're wrong. Then I'm wrong. And, <laughs> and that's I okay. could be wrong. Um, that's okay. But we loved it. We thought it was great. I like imagining all the glorious dresses of the day, and and there's a lot of like special society things in London. I am a, mm. I love, I'm an Anglophile. I love England. So <laughs> having something set in London is always a joy for me. So, mm. so yeah, um, let's talk just briefly about the, let's set the main characters and then we'll get into what happens. Yeah. So our characters, we've mentioned her a few times. Victoria Gardella is our main character. And 
I'm not sure who this was on. Our, we have notes in front of us, and I made notes of like who I was picturing them. I'm not sure what you your picturing mm-hmm. was, but Victoria is petite-ish. She has dark, dark hair, pale skin. She's beautiful, um, but not necessarily overly flashy beautiful. Hmm. Um, and she is Italian in her heritage. Um, so I po- I cast her in my brain as Phoebe Tonkin, who is not super well-known. She's been in lots of CW shows, but she was in The Vampire Diaries. And just like when I saw her picture, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I feel like she would be a badass Victoria. I feel like she could do the fighting. And obviously she likes vampires. Yeah. So, um, I didn't write this down, but I do think, uh, cause we don't always cast. Like, we don't always yeah, cast. So we don't always do this, but we had done this before. <laughs> yeah. And then we kind of like forgot because we're great. Um, but we're no, what we do. I, uh, Victoria, I kind of, I think I, I originally saw her as like, I don't know, take this with you, like Sybil from Downton Abbey. Oh, <laughs> I, don't yeah. know, I don't know why she popped up for me. I just, I think, well, that's another dark hair, the pale skin. And I feel very bad because strong I, personality. Yeah, I don't know the actress's name off the top of my head, but I think she's gorgeous and she's really, really outspoken and powerful. So, yeah. Um, Then we have Maximilian Pissarro. And this guy is the dark lover. He's dark hair, kind of tannish, strong Italian nose. He's another vampire hunter. They call him Venators in this book. And so he's kind of opposite uh victoria yes and as we meet him we kind of know that this guy the readers know this guy's gonna be end game and i mean maybe that was just in my brain from having read them long in the past but oh no yeah that's so obvious this guy who's kind of like brushes her off and is rude he's gonna be the end game guy in the series we get Enemies to Lovers. It's the beginning of Enemies to Lovers. Yes. And when we searched online, a lot of people were referencing Hugh Jackman as who they imagined. Um, Funny. You're all very funny. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, like, I was having a hard time casting him because I just, I usually like the darker haired guys, but, like, I've just never been that into Max, so I have a hard time casting him. Um, I kind of, like, was thinking maybe a little bit Bobby Cannavale, like, kind of... I don't know. But he, then... He gets better. But then, you guys, we watched 365 Days. <laughs> <laughs> and we discovered Michelle Marone. Yeah. Or Marone. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it either, but he's a beautiful Italian man. And I was Italian, like, right? it's Max. That's Max. That's Max right there. That's him. It made yes. it infinitely more fun. Oh, yes. I instantly liked Max better when I pictured him <laughs> as Michelle. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, yeah. So that's who we picked. I mean, that you know. So it gives you an idea of who Max is. He's yeah. He's one of the main main characters, and he's. We'll get into him. He's kind of a legendary vampire hunter. Um, and then we have Sebastian Vioget, another character Vioget. in the book. Yes. Vio, is it Vioget? Vioget. I, I. It's French, so I think it's more like Vioget, like a Vionnet. I don't know. I. I. Sebastian didn't do good in French class, you guys. So I'm sorry, but Sebastian. Is the sexiest man that you will encounter <laughs> in these books. He is, he is liquid golden sex on a plate. He is I like want, he's or on a plate, and I want to drink him up. Um, I mean, in a cup, maybe. I don't know. Tell us how you really feel. I love him. I love him dearly. <laughs> I'm going to marry this character. 
Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, it happens. If you've never been into anime, you don't know what we're talking about. Um, so, <laughs> anyway, the point is that, yeah, Sebastian, he is kind of another uh, person in the crew. He helps Victoria out. We're not really, in this book, you're not too sure what side he's on. He owns a tavern. He's yeah. a man about town. He's very beautiful, kind of goldeny skin, blonde and hair. And he's seductive. He's very seductive. And I don't typically like blondes. So, in my brain, I just, like, kind of... <laughs> Imagined him being not so blonde. Say you're sorry to all the blonde listeners. I'm sorry, blonde listeners. No, I, I, I like you. I just don't feel drawn to you in a sexual way. And I'm sorry about that. It's okay. It's okay. Um, and then let's get into our last character. Well, but Sebastian oh. Vio. Oh, yeah. oh so gosh. I'm sorry. I keep <laughs> moving ahead <laughs> and you're slowing him. me down. We're, we're creating pictures of these characters for you. So when we Googled... Um, because we also were like, who would this be? Because he is the best person that's ever been. Um, one of the things that came up was a Dutch model, actually, named uh, Vauta Pielen. And, oh my goodness, you guys, look look him up. He is beautiful. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, I was like, okay with that. I, But we also were kind of trying to find something a little bit more accessible to everyone. Yeah. And... Jesse happened upon these pictures. <laughs> okay, so first of all, I don't know. I was just, I happened to be, I don't know if I was like on Instagram or whatever, and someone posted these like really delicious photos of Cole Sprouse. Yes. In like a white shirt with like a scarf, and he looked just really, I don't know, just like. And he was like with gritty. his original blonde hair rather than his dyed black yeah. jughead hair. Um, yeah. And like, I don't, I, I'm not necessarily like a stan of his, I guess, but like, I, you know, I love Big Daddy. And I, <laughs> <laughs> so I just like to picture him being a tiny boy. I don't Peeing know. on a wall. <laughs> I wipe my own ass. <laughs> I wipe my own ass. I just, I just, I, so I, I, I stumbled upon these photos of other people who were like fan, fangirling or whatever, fanboying over him. And I was like, you know what? That kind of has some Sebastian, Sebastian vibe to it. So I sent it to Rachel and now we're like, maybe that's Sebastian. Maybe that's him. And, and for the record, when we like are doing this, we just like, we Google the character name and then hit image. And we're like, what comes up? And like, yeah. so this is how we kind of find out what other people thought. What other people think. And then we're also trying to then incorporate what yeah. we were it's, seeing. It's fun. Yeah. Um, so then our last character okay. is Philip who is the Marquis of Rockley. And, I mean, a Marquis is pretty well-stationed. I actually, there. this is, we've had a couple of historical things, and we've had the different rankings of nobles coming up. And just so you know, the Marquis falls kind of right there. So it goes King, Queen, Prince, Princess, Duke, Duchess, and then Marquis, Marchioness. So it's like kind of halfway through... The, the levels of royalty. Under that, we have some earls and viscounts and barons and baronets and knights. So, but it's like pretty up there, especially considering that like a lot of dukes and duchesses often are born into it. Sort of, they're usually different princes and princesses oh, yeah. that aren't going to be inheriting. So you're up there if you're a marquis. You are really up there. You're very well connected, and that instantly makes you more sexy, even if you are a wet towel. Which maybe Philip is in this book. Maybe You'll see he why is. we mean that in a second. Yes. Um, so. so, but he also had this really bubbly, innocent, sweet, loving energy to him. At and first. So, well, yes, yes, at first. <laughs> and so we, what we both kind of thought of when we thought of him was James Marsden, a la Enchanted. 
Yes. You know Enchanted with Amy Adams? Yes. Her Prince Charming, True Love's Kiss? Yes, and he's just like so earnest and like, I just love you so much. And it's, I mean, he is Philip. He is Philip. That's who we saw. And then so you can imagine how funny that is next to Max, who's like, (laughs) I am a dark cloud and I have no feelings. And I'm angry all the time for reasons. So um, we're going to kind of go through the outline of this book and talk about the things we found interesting. We're going to zero in on some scenes that we found uh, either really weird or good or I don't know. I'm obviously not doing a very good job at explaining that. But <laughs> we're ripping it apart, you guys. That's what we're good. doing here. Yeah. So um, this book kind of like like the original uh, book description read, Victoria is coming She's debuting not only as a woman in society because like back in this time you you were debuted by someone in your family as marriable basically yep. once you hit a certain age put on the market you're put on the meat market and the ton as she likes to call it which is like mm-hmm. the the um London people London's most richest and eligible who's you know who exactly so she's debuted to the ton as Victoria Gardella ready to marry but also in the back you know she's. Um, She is being called to be a Venator. And so the prologue, the prologue, I said that really weird. Prologue. The prologue. The prologue starts with this sort of scene of her crashing through the forest across the stream to get away from this heavy breathing Mm. creature (sighs) behind her. And this scene is dripping in innuendo. Nice. When I picked this up, I was like, there's going to be so much amazing innuendo in this because just the things that they're saying right now are ridiculous and I'm living for it. Yeah, like she, on one page, it's like hard, stiff, more like wet, like all these words and you're like, what? She's just talking about a tree. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. <laughs> yeah. So it's a very amazing innuendo-filled scene, and then she wakes up on the chamber pot. Yep, she wakes up on the chamber pot, and she's just like, oh, I gotta, gotta go see my aunt. Aunt Eustacia, that's her kind of, her great aunt, who's who's also kind of getting her into the whole vampire hunting, a.k.a. Venator stuff. Yes, and it turns out that this kind of vision-y dream thing that she had is that moment of being called, uh, that moment where you are now going to become a Venator. This is the moment to choose your path. So get off that chamber pot, girl, and go stake something. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And, um, you know, she does. So she goes through this training period. Of course, the book doesn't cover this, but then she debuts uh, to the ton this night, and, like, she's expected by her Aunt Eustacia to stake her first vampire at this party, at this at a ball. ball. It's a ball. There's because a lot of balls in this where book. where else are you <laughs> going to find a vampire but at a ball? You know why? It's because they've been invited. Yes, and <laughs> that's we can talk about vampire lore in this book, but they, they follow the vampire lore that a vampire has to be invited. Yes, she definitely has certain ones that we're kind of familiar with and have seen happen in other places, and one of them is being invited, and that's why... A lot of them are at these balls because pretty much everyone in the ton has been invited. Or, yeah, I mean, or they they just, I don't know. They, they You get into it with this book and some of these people probably snuck in. <laughs> they're not that great. They, they're, I doubt they're guarding every entrance. No. Yes. So she's at this party. She's at this party. She's going to stake this vampire. 
and follows this couple out. She's like, this guy here is a total vampire. Yeah. Oh, and then also this is where she meets the Marquess for the first time, right? She does kind of run into the Marquess, I thought. Uh, probably. Yes. I think so, but it's, like, very brief. And as, like, as she always does in this book, Victoria is just caught in between these two worlds. Even in this first chapter, she's like... I want to talk to you, but I have to go stake that vampire right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, right now she's worried about, like, where will she get her dress? How will she attract a husband? And then very quickly goes from zero to 100, and she's like, is that a vampire? I've got to go. Bye! (laughs) And, yeah, so she has to leave her Marquis behind, who felt oddly familiar to her, but she has other things to worry about right now. Goes to stake the vampire... Suddenly realizes the vampire is the woman and not the man. Sticks that vampire. And then the guy's a douche because it's Max. (laughs) (laughs) That's our introduction to Max. Yeah, she follows the couple out and she thinks like, oh, I'm going to get that dark, brooding, kind of handsome, you know. also angry. Angry looking man. And then she raises her stake and at the last moment it's the woman. And he's like, once she stakes her, um, or does Max do it? I forgot. No, she stakes her. She stakes her. She She does her duty. Okay. And then he's an ass about it. He's like, you thought it was me, didn't you? Because that's <sighs> his voice. Which You thought it was me. It's actually an Italian accented voice, but I don't do that, so. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It was, yeah. So, yeah. So she's obviously, she, she starts hating Max immediately. She's like, oh. You know, he calls He's himself the worst. He calls himself a vampire executioner. Yeah. It's like sounds like <laughs> You're a, a venator. Yeah, just We're like her. We're all venators. Stop being full of yourself. Right, right. And it's like that just sounds like a cush government job. So, so. <laughs> but and it, you learn more about this, but like basically like Victoria's a Gardella, so she comes from like a direct whatever, quote-unquote, pure line of Venators. Whereas yes. Max, he's kind of on the outskirts. He had to train and kind of trial and battle to become a Venator, whereas Victoria was born into this line. And not only was she born into it, but both her mother and her mother's father passed on the opportunity to become Venators, had their memories wiped, and because they passed, their power amplified with each generation that mm-hmm. it was passed down. So she's going to be pretty damn powerful. She's like Goku, like, you know, just super Saiyan, like charging up, and she's ready. She's ready to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so then we cut to the next day. She's kind of reporting back to her aunt about things. And we learn about the big bad in the book, who is Lilith oh, the yeah. Dark. Yeah, and this is where they kind of get into... Colleen does a really good job in this area, kind of explain the vampire lore and how vampires came to be and how venators came to be. Yes. So w- one of the whole thing that she decided to do for her vampire lore is the vampires being descended from Judas, which has been in other fiction as well. It explains things like their aversion to silver because they received the silver in payment for betraying Jesus, um, why they don't like Christianity. And um, Lilith, in this, she actually made Lilith the daughter of Judas, which is a little bit different from Lilith historically as a character um, because where we see her in some other mythology out there is actually in Jewish folklore as the first wife of Adam and then 
she was actually his equal Mm -hmm. rather than made of Adam. And so I find Lilith to be a really awesome character. So even though this one was a different take on Lilith and was inspired by it, it also gave me an excuse to kind of dig into my Lilith lore, which I like. Yeah. Mother of demons. She's a badass. In this book, she's kind of like just bad, but in like hidden history. Yes. So she's the big bad. Her and Eustacia have been at each other's throats for years. Right. So Eustacia, again, is Victoria's great aunt, who's kind of this legendary Gardella vampire hunter, this Venator. And yeah, they've been battling it out. And so Eustacia is kind of passing the torch to Victoria in a way. She's getting older. She's in her 80s or something. It's about time. It's about time she chilled. My grandmother is in her 80s, and I cannot imagine her being up and about fighting vampires right now. Nope. Yep. Not a thing. Nope. So, yeah, Victoria learns about some of these things. And you have to wonder, like, why is she learning about this now? Like, what? it's kind of like she already, you know, she does her, she gets, she gets, she does her first stake and she gets, like, basically her inauguration into being a Venator. Yes. And now they're like, oh, and by the way, here's all the vampire history. Yes. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> this is sure. what we're fighting right now. Um, but you know what? They have, they really trickle the truth of everything to Victoria. It's like they don't trust her with it all up front, but she is at that point where you don't know if she's going to decide not to take this on. So it kind of makes sense because if she doesn't, they'll be wiping her memory. At the same time, there's, there's some complications. One of the tropes that we see in this book is like, the miscommunication of things and how that can cause problems. <laughs> so um, yes. definitely them not filling her in on everything helps move the plot along quite a bit. Yeah, times. miscommunication pushing the plot forward. Yep. Um, and so her initiation that she has is so very... <laughs> mm. <laughs> Late aughts. It is a visbula. A visbula, yeah. That's the name of the ornament. Is the name of the ornament that they wear, and it is in this case a belly button piercing. Right. So when you become a venator in this universe, you um, essentially get like a piercing somewhere in your body with an amulet that's very powerful. It's made of silver, and it kind of is your trinket. It kind of gives you your power. Yeah. And translated from Latin, it literally means strength bubble. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so her strength bubble was placed into her navel. Yes. And it's like a little public ceremony with her and other Venators. And of course, Max is of there. Of course, Max is there judging her, and being angry. But he's watching her get pierced in her navel as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Um, that's definitely not, like, he's definitely not paying close attention to everything that happens to her. Um, no. Right. And so, you know, she becomes like a Venator. Um, her name's added to the Bible. Like, they have this, like, family Bible where all the Venator names are listed. There's some, there's a lot of religious overtones. Like, there's definitely, like, a, they align with, like, the light and God. And, like, you know, vampires are of, like, of the devil. Yes. So. Yeah, and it makes sense. And also, like, they are Italian as well. Yeah. Which is, comes right down from Rome, where it was the big center of the Catholic religion. So, right. So that's great. That's that happens. That kind of sets up the book, and that's what leads us into like the big meat of the story, which is 
now Victoria has to come into this identity as a Venator, but also as a young woman who's expected to marry well. Like, again, her mother's memory was wiped. And so her mother... You know, she's just like a, a lady, like about you know, and, and wants Victoria and all to marry. She cares about yes. is her daughter marrying. She is very much focused on that and nothing else. If Victoria is doing anything that doesn't support her being marryable, she just doesn't understand. What, what are you doing? What Stop you, wasting your time. Uh, yeah, we need to get you married. And and at the beginning of the book, at least in this first book. Victoria's, like, mostly on board with that. She's like, yes, yes, I know. Um, I'm trying, okay? And, like, yes, well, the Marquess, yes. And like, that, I get it. Just, I'm trying. She's like, I'm going to do both these things. I can be a woman yes. in society, and I can be a vampire hunter. Yes. I don't have to choose. I can do it all. I'm a modern woman. She thinks that. And, I mean, good for you, girl, for thinking that, but also... Also, it's gonna maybe not go so great. <sighs> gonna bite her in the ass. Maybe literally. Yes. So, as we go on, we have some more tropes that come out. Mm-hmm. We discover that the reason she felt that Philip was familiar is because he is actually a childhood friend of hers. Oh, they're childhood friends? They are. They spent a summer where she, he came through and was thrown from a horse or something. Well, like, he kind of, like... It was very ever after. Oh, very ever after. Very and ever she after berated scene. him. Yeah. She's like, you are the worst. And then they became friends. And of they course. had a wonderful summer together. And so in his mind, he's always dreamt of this 12-year-old girl that, <laughs> I mean, he was maybe 14 at the time, so it makes more sense. But like, he's like, I want to meet her one day again. I want her to be the girl that I marry. And yes. he actually remembered her name. Yeah, she kind of doesn't really place him at first, yep. and it's not till like they're at another ball. Okay, uh, <laughs> she goes to a lot of balls, and there's a yes. lot of fucking vampires at those balls. But one time she's at this ball, she finally places him, and he's like, ah, and she's like, ah, oh, 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 it's uh, you, it's you. I remember you, and all the like drooling women are like, why is he talking to her? And she's yes, just the envy of the time because ton. she just came out on the market, and some she's, of these people have been out there working it, and he just came out on the market and is a Marquis. He is desirable and everyone wants him. Yeah, but he wants Victoria, of course. Yes. So, yeah, we're, that she becomes very fixated on this, like, young first love sort of thing. And, like, this is meant to be, I'm meant to be with him and I can do it all. This idea of having it all. Right. And then, then, of course, at that ball, she's, you know, her Venator powers start to increase. And so what happens with Venators in this universe is when there's a vampire around, they can feel it icy cold on the back of their neck. Yes. So she got the icy cold feeling on the back of her neck and then chased these two vampires down the hall only to find that, yes, she was right. They were vampires, but they were um, next level level. guardian vampires. There's like there's like levels of vampires. Again, she didn't know that. No, because they didn't tell her. No one one told her. Oh, by the way, would she need to know this? By the way, there's supercharged vampires, guardian vampires. And then there's like, don't. Fuck with these guys, vampires, and those are Imperials, right? Yeah, those are like next to Lilith, her right hand people. So anyway, she ends up finding two guardian vampires, and she's like, the fuck? And like, she gets into a fucking fight. Yeah, like, they entrance her, one bites her. Yes, yes, she like, and she's like, She does, and she manages at the last minute to kind of stake him. Yeah, and then Max comes in. Right as Max bursts in, and she's managed to save herself. 
Of course, that's not enough for him. He's kind of like, oh, my God, of course. You're of just, course. like, not doing it enough. Get over here and let me pour this liquid on your neck. It'll holy help. Water. This yeah. holy water. Holy help. water becomes a quite the little item to have in your pocket. Yes. Yes, because they're the bites of the vampires. Like, mm-hmm. I mean... Certain ways that they bite you can cause you to change. Other things can they can just fester and be horrible. Yeah. Um, so it's, he, yeah, it, and he takes yeah. her home. And I remember because like she's like, oh my god, I got bit. Like, what's gonna happen to me? And they do really have to do some triage on her, like some vampire triage where like they kind of because she could turn, but they 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 pour enough holy water on her. They they're able to get it in time. And Max kind of admits to her like she's like, have you ever been bit? And he's like. Huh. You know, and there, we get into that because oh, oh has, has he been Max bit? been bit? Uh, oh yeah, he's been b- 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 bit by the baddest, the baddest of vampires. So, so, so anyway, about here now we are introduced to her maid Verbena. Oh yeah, and I think Verbena is really important because she is like. She is going to hook her up. She's going to take care of her. She is the version of, you know, Kay from 007 that, like, takes mm. care of the weapons and, like, here's all your gadgets to make it work. Uh, Verbena's going to be like, oh, you need to carry stakes on you? I'm going to do that for you, fashionable lady. Like, I'm going to find the ways to hide these in your hair, in your like stockings, all the things I'm going to hook you up. Oh, you have a bite on your neck. I'm going to stylize your hair in this new fancy way that will caress your neck and hide that from everyone. She's a lady to have on your side. I'll say that. Yes. Yeah. She's got some good helpers. Victoria does. Yes. So yeah, Verbena comes onto the scene. She's always helping her. And this is good because the stakes are getting, huh? The stakes, the stakes are getting higher. (laughs) Um, and Victoria is finding out new things like the fact that like Lilith is on the prowl for an item. Yes. The book of Antwatha. Yes. And, uh, what is that? Well, Aunt Eustacia calls in another character. Wayren. Wayren. She is the Giles. She's the Giles of the book, you guys. Yeah. She's all-knowing. Very flowy. Yeah. And you don't know kind of her purpose in this universe yet, um... But it, I love her character development on all five books, so I will say mm-hmm. I, I... I don't I, remember. It's so great. So that's exciting. It's great, and it's it's fun. Anyway, so, yeah, she comes in and, like, takes out her spectacles and basically says, hey, this book, um, if Lilith gets her hands on this book, she will be able to turn everyone into her undead army. So we got to get that book. And you got to go figure out where that book is. So, of course, Max is like, I'll go find it, because someone is just too worried about getting married. You're so Ugh. stupid. So, of course, this then, like, forms the whole idea in Victoria's head that she needs to prove herself by getting that book without anyone else's help. Yeah, and, like, she really could have asked for help, um, but she, again, wants it all. She's like, I'll show you. I'm winning the Marquess's heart, and I'm going to go get this stupid book, you stupid, smelly Max, and your stupid, smelly, stupid, stupid, chiseled stupid. body. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, she dresses up like a man. Mm-hmm. Puts on some pants, and I need I need to read this little quote because I really like it. She described wearing pants as having one's nether limbs encased and defined in such an improper way. <laughs> oh, those nether limbs! <laughs> I love it. My nether limbs are encased in an improper way right now. Yep, because <laughs> I'm wearing pants. Yeah, mine, mine are like I mean, mine are harem pants, so they're not so much encased. Oh it's God. just like. 
pillowed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're not encased. But I mean, um, so yeah, so she goes to uh, this amazing place, which becomes kind of a, a real thi- a real a real location in this book. It's like the the bronze. The bronze of Buffy mm, the Vampire Slayer yes. is kind of the silver chalice in yes. this book. So she goes to this, like, first of all, it's in a part of town. She the, Now, the reason why you might be wondering, why does she go there? Well, it's because she knows vampires hang out at the Silver Chalice. It's the, seedy, the seedy part of town. The seedy part of London. In St. Giles. Ta- in St. Giles, right, where all, this, all the vampires hang out. So she's going to go do some intel. And she gets, she has for Benna kind of outfitter. And they go, and they, they find their way into the Silver Chalice. And they meet. Sebastian. Because who owns the silver chalice? Sebastian. Sebastian. And who notices that she's a man, not a man, immediately? Sebastian. Sebastian. So he slides up in the table, of course. You know, she sits, she's sitting there for like 0.5 seconds and he's like, hi. (laughs) Hi, sexy. Yeah, he's into her. He's just like, hi, beautiful. And she's like, Excuse me? My name is Victor Granson. What do you mean? Oh my god. It's like pit- it's like wince. It's like cringe. Um, and he's just like, you know, if you're trying to be a man, you should probably do this and that. And she's like, what? <laughs> what, what, what? <laughs> ben is getting drunk with vampires. And yes. then, and, and yeah. then who has to ruin the mood? Max. Max. <sighs> he comes in, because of course he's going to do some intelligence. He's going to try to get some information too. And so Sebastian yeah. is like, quickly, into this hidden hallway. Yeah, he's like, come back here with me. He's like, he's really hip to it all. He kind of like gets it. He's like, he sees Max, he sees her. He's like, he's like ah. you go off there, I'll show up in just a second, and I'll get rid of this guy. Yeah. He gets rid of Max, he comes, and this is the touching <laughs> of the Vispula. Okay, yeah. So this scene, this is one of the scenes we want to talk about. This is like an anticipatory scene. Um, and it's, it's fun. Um, so he... He's pretty much like, you know, he's, he brings her back into his office. He's talking to her and she's, she's on edge because he's clearly very attractive and she's attracted to him, but mm-hmm. she's also this like proper woman who's, who's like about to be, she's pretty sure betrothed Philip to Philip. is her dearest love. Yeah. The Marquess is her de- dearest love, but Sebastian awakens something in her that's pretty deep and it might be like in her vagina. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it responds, it roars, it wants. Yeah, she really likes Sebastian. And he's like, oh, I see. So you want some information on this book? Yeah, I I might know where that book is. And so he does an exchange of that information for touching her vispula. vispula. He just wants to lightly touch it. And And I will say, like... So I, I definitely, um, after we read the book, cause I, again, I wait to read the Goodreads. I, a lot of people found him to be kind of creepy, to be a little, but what? I, yes. <laughs> oh no. They're like, he's creepy. He's weird. But no. I will say he did ask. He like, asked. He, he, he was consent. like, he was pretty much like, yeah. Um, can I touch it? And he's, one thing you'll get to know about Sebastian is he's just like, he's very open sexually. And it, to him, it's like very natural. Yeah, and so he asked her. He's like, "Well, yeah, can I touch it?" And she's like, "What?" Um, uh, you know, and she's like uh, flustered, AF, and and, um, and he touches it, and she blacks out. Yes, she she just faints away. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, he's yeah. he's not like 
titillating or stimulating. He literally just kind of like grazes it with his fingers. And unconscious she is. Um, but he is a respectful gentleman. And when she comes to, he's just sitting there. And it's definitely not like he knocked her out or anything. I do think, like, at first when I was reading, I'm like, what happened there? But no, I think it's just like it's a written way of her. It's like showing just how powerful the touch of like a man she desires on her mm-hmm. body. Um, and he reveres her visible, her power yes. as a venator. He like really, he's like down with it. He, you know, he he basically he fraternizes with vampires. He understands what she is. And so he like reveres her. And when she comes to, he's like sitting there and he's like, okay, like, you know, thank you. And then they, um, I think what happens next, like she ends up leaving. And yeah, like she just kind of gets her information. She ends up leaving. We get to some other scenes. We know. Or does he? I, I don't know if that's the first time that he kisses the inside of her wrist. I don't that think so. I don't time. think he has the glove this time. Yeah, I know. Okay, that's later, but... I mean, mm. I love a good wrist kissing, I've discovered, because I don't understand it. <laughs> I, again, I just can't understand. After you quarantine, been... I'm going to have to find some gentlemen to kiss my wrist so I can understand You heard this. it here first. Yes. <laughs> so... She she ends up leaving. She's got this info. Oh yeah, he gives her the information. He basically says this this vamp this book is going to be at this man's house. I forgot what the man's position is. He's like, and two of Lilith's like imperial vampires are going to this house. I know I've heard this on the this is the word about town, and you need to basically let them take the book out and of you the house. You cannot touch it until it's been taken out of the house. If you remove it from the house, you will die. You will die. So take that with what you will. And she's like, how can I trust you? And he's like. You can't, baby. <laughs> you don't, you don't. I'm just telling you what he's I, you just, can either take it or not. I mean, he's so straightforward while he so is. not straightforward at the same time. And I adore it. I'm yeah. here for it. It's fun. It's really fun. It's charming, I guess. So, so. yeah. So some small things happen. Someone, a lord becomes a, tra- a vampire who wasn't a vampire just moments ago. And I'm like, when did that happen? But she, she stakes a lot of more vampires. him. She's making out with Philip all the time now. Is, yeah. And he kind of asks her to marry him. Oh, right? yes. Isn't this kind of around the time he's like, be my wife? I mean, maybe. I, I don't. I it think happens, this happens in this book. Af- it does happen in this book. <laughs> but I don't think it happens yet. I just but, thought. So I, it doesn't happen until after she gets the book. But that's unimportant. We're okay. not here to like lay it out timeline for you. As we have been. We're trying to change that. Uh, yeah. We're trying to change <laughs> that. So basically, she tries to do get the book on her own. Max shows up. As he always does. Because he's always ruining shit. And so he actually almost dies because he doesn't know the information about touching the book and manages to kind of take him own pride out of the equation for a second to be like wait why why didn't victoria grab yeah he's smart he's not stupid he's kind of like noticing that she's not touching the book there's a kind of like a weird uh hostile scene with some vampires and sebastian is there he shows Sebastian's up. there with the vampires how why is he so close to these vampires i don't know and you it won't makes know. no sense you won't know for this book no nope. anyway so the point is that like you know uh uh the the imperials take it and, and there's a massive battle, a massive which battle. I think is summed up perfectly in Chapter 12's title, Our Heroes Commence with Much Poofing and Slicing. <laughs> I love the way she titles her chapters. Yes, they're they're wonderful. Yes. So there is a battle. Um, Victoria does flee with the book. She's, like, pretty injured with it. And she kind of just leaves Max there. Yep. She's like, uh, he'll take care of himself. He's told me he can take care of himself. Whatevs. I'm going to get away with this. Gets home and her mother is being held captive. Mm-hmm. She has to do some work there to try to 
get that fixed. Isn't this when Verbena shows up in the wat, like yes. with the, the, yeah. and like douses them with holy water as she's, her cousin rides by and his his little hackney carriage. She's just such a down so great. bitch. I love her. She's like just when you think you're like about to die, she shows up with a bucket of holy water like eat this bitch. Like yeah. she kills these vampires and then they wipe her mom's memory. And it kind of then yes, so she and that's when Philip shows up the next morning. Yes, and that's when he asks her to marry him. They're engaged. Oh, okay. See, I thought he was like, you didn't tell them. Yeah, he visits, and then oh, okay, they're engaged. Right. Um, and then later that can, kind of gets announced to Max and Eustacia, and then she decides to go to the Silver Chalice again. Of course. Well, how could she stay away? But. You know what happens? Philip follows. <gasps> right, because Philip at this point, he's like, what's going on with my little fiancé? My little she's... fiancé should be preoccupied with pleasing me. Yes, Why and she's is she not. sometimes a little bit flighty? Sometimes, like, Why is disappears? She, some... she disappears and then comes back all sweaty. And he's, and he's like, my darling, what's wrong? And she's like, um... <sighs> Philip, ah, my darling, I just had to go to the ladies' room. And then there's like a woman in the background, like a vampire just got me. And she's like, "Philip, let's go." You know, <laughs> like seriously, that that's what it's like. And and so he's getting hip to it. He follows her one night because he's like, "Where's she going?" Yes, he follows her. And so, of course, who else shows up at the Silver Chalice? Max. Max. So all three <laughs> of them. In the same place. Max is mad at Victoria at this point, too, because he's kind of like, you didn't tell me about the book, you dumbass. Like, I could have died. I could have died. And, I mean, he's right. (laughs) But, you know what? They weren't sharing information with her. I feel like they brought it upon themselves. I don't still don't approve of her doing it either, but, like, everyone created that mess. (laughs) Yeah, and also I think it's Victoria's moment where she's like, oh, shit, I've got to work together with my family and Max, even though I don't like Max because he's stupid and silly and chiseled and dark and handsome. But I guess, I guess I'll work with that. Anyway, um, yeah, so they go to the Silver Chalice, of course... Philip has to, I say it like Rugrats, like yeah. he has to show up and it's a nuisance and they, um, doesn't he get like attacked by some yes. like, vampires? So Philip is clever because he ends up there, but he is so annoying and he ends up getting bitten. Yeah. Oh, we're already to that point in the book. Yes. I didn't because we are clipping through it. Good for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but right. while he's getting bit out there doing his thing, um, she's having sexy times with Sebastian. Yeah, so like Max is like, oh, okay, I'm going to go take care of Philip because your stupid fiance showed up. Um, so VOJ, he, he calls Sebastian VOJ. You you get Victoria out of here so that because Philip doesn't see Yeah, her. we don't want, yeah. We don't need Philip to understand secret. who her identity is. We can't do that. So, yeah. yeah so, um, well, Max is trying to handle that, and Philip's getting bitten. <sighs> Sebastian's in the back, seducing Victoria, <laughs> stealing her glove, kissing her wrist. Oh, I love, and then there's this wonderful scene where he's like, he kind of is walking back down that hallway with her, and he, she's like, you know that I'm betrothed to Philip. And he stops her, and he kind of looks at her, and he goes, has he seen your Vispula? <laughs> Because he knows he has, and he's like seen it, and he knows deep down that this, like, this man will never revere her because he doesn't really appreciate or know what she is, and he can't and stay safe. Like him knowing as a lay person, he'll just be in danger, and she'll always have to worry about him. Mm -hmm. And now, okay, but 
here's my thing, though. Weren't they married at this point? Not yet. So he's she bit. She actually breaks the engagement right after this. He's, oh, wait, so he's, he's bit before they're married? Yes. Well, he's oh. not bit and transformed. He just got a little attacked. Okay. And then Max, like, worked his memory for getting magic. Sorry, sorry, everyone. It's been a little while. It's been a little book. while. Yeah. But anyways, so, yeah. So she breaks the engagement. I can't do this anymore, Philip. And she quells her heartbreak by just going around town taking out vampires. Right. And while doing this, uh, Sebastian picks her up one night. And then we get to our favorite scene. (laughs) It's definitely Rachel's favorite scene for sure. The sexy carriage scene. Oh my God, you guys. Oh, it's obviously been building between these two, you know, everything that they do when they talk, it's just like tension and sexiness. And so I can't, I shouldn't. And then they're in this closed, enclosed place. And she's jaded. She's dark as fuck because like she can't have the man she loves. So she's just going to kill. She's just going to kill vampires. And um, Sebastian Um, may or may not offer her some, some comfort, some comfort. Yeah. They start getting real sexy, like sucking on titties. <laughs> sexy. That's right. That's right. He totally, I mean, <laughs> like literally he offers her lust. Like he gives her lust. Like, and, and mm-hmm. her and Philip have like kissed, uh, but it's nothing compared to. To what he's doing. Right. Like it's actually lust passion. Yeah. And I found it very sexy. It was a little bit problematic in that it was described as passion with underlying brutality. Um, <laughs> I don't, but I also don't understand like, how, I mean, not like how, but it was like. Because like, Sebastian isn't brutal. He's no, not a brutal he's, person. He can't kill. Yeah. You learn that you learn that as the book goes on, he kind of can't stake a vampire. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> it's it's interesting. And I think that part of that was just to kind of make him the bad boy in this. So yeah. that we're still rooting for Rockley, though I feel like anyone with a brain cell brain cell is not rooting for Rockley, because I'm sorry you can't have it all. You can't, and you, do you want it all that includes Rockley? Because he's he's kind of like he's just boring. He's like very plain Mm -hmm. and i mean i definitely think one of the things like there's lots of action that happens here but let's explore this route a little bit more okay her and rockley do end up getting married yes they get married and they are the ones that ultimately have sex but before they do he sees her visbula. yeah and i mean like again it's the early whatever we'll, we'll fact check this later it's the early 1800s um, who has a navel piercing? He's like, not only do I think you should remove it, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah. And he's exerting his husband power over her his in a weird way. His husband power is super hard. Like, he basically tells her she's unattractive for having it. And so her, as a venator, this is something that protects her, and she removes it from him. Like, every evening her... she ends up removing it for him. So they can have sex. And I just felt like... The entire time that, like, I was like, she's going to get murdered during this. I know. I kept thinking that, too, because, like, it's almost like I was like, uh, is he really Philip Rockley or whatever? Yeah, I, I didn't really trust him. And, again, when you juxtaposition that next to this idea of, like, Sebastian, who's like, I love that Vispula. You're he powerful. It. He reveres he her. He loves her as a powerful woman. Exactly. Whereas Philip loves the idea of her, but it's this picture mm-hmm. of the super proper 
fitting into society, not powerful, submissive woman. And that's not Victoria. That is not the real Victoria. It, it really isn't. She is too snarky and funny for that. Yes. She's too cool. So, and as, so basically like they get married and now she's having to do a lot of like, she's living like a double life. You know, yes. she's, she's drugging him at night. I mean, I do feel bad for him at this point. Yep. You know, she's having to drug him at night with like, I forgot the stuff they use, but it's like, it's like, you know, it's like a very um, calm sedative or whatever. And like, she has to basically give that to him after they make love so she can sneak out at night and mm-hmm. um, help everyone stake vampires. And of course, Max finds this most annoying. He's like, yes. Ugh, so annoying that you had to go and get married. He's yeah. not jealous at all. Um, so, nope. Nope. yeah. And then, jealous. and then, you know, Sebastian's just in the background grinning. Um, so it's that's what it's like. But she's having a really hard time weighing the two lives together. Yeah. And and so yeah, she's drugging him. There becomes a moment where <laughs> someone like I believe Philip says something like slip something into Victoria. Like he is now in pregnancy mode. He <laughs> wants to impregnate her so hard. Yeah, she's she's thinking of slipping something into his drink and he's thinking of slipping something into her, aka his yeah. sperm. And yeah, his penis and his sperm. And uh, she even, like, comes home feeling ill because she got injured. And he is excited about it. Yeah. He's like, oh, my God, you're pregnant because you're feeling sick. Oh, my goodness. It just made him so much more, like, I mean, I already found him repulsive, but that made it even worse for me. He's, yeah, maybe you're carrying my child kind of stuff. And, you know, at the time, it just shows what different trajectories they were on. Yes. So, like, I yeah, he was just the worst. So we have to get to the clubhouse scene at this point, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, so Lilith basically starts targeting Philip because <laughs> he's the weak link. She's invited him into her life, and he can easily be killed. And so... Why not? They have to basically go to the club to try to save him because the, they know he's being targeted. The club meaning, like, the country club where the Marquess smokes his cigars and plays cards where they're men, well-to-do men. Yes. Though, though it's not, it's, like, in the city. Not yeah, the it's, country, like... But, like, you know, it's, it's the same as today's country club. But it's a social club, I guess. Social club, a social yes. club. Right. Smoking and playing cards and all those good things. And... Of course, like, she goes dressed up as a man, but she's really bad at dressing up as a man, and he definitely recognizes that it's her. Yeah, Phillips, he clocks her. Yeah, there's a big epic battle. Lots of people are murdered. (laughs) And she's like, great. And then at one point, Max is like, don't worry, I'll wipe his memory. Yeah. And then he really doesn't. Yeah, I I feel like maybe because he's being drugged so often and having his memory wiped (sighs) so often that it just kind of starts failing. It's sad, honestly, at that point. Like, it's, like, not a very... This poor man's body is just, you know, being just sedated all constantly. And he's, like, starting to put tunes together. And he kind of gets, like, depressed angry with Victoria. Like... Yep. Yeah, yeah. You, I saw you last night. And as my notes like to state, Philip is dumb and everyone is stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So we're getting toward the end here, and basically everyone is stolen by Lilith, and Victoria's (laughs) like, I gotta take this book to her. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, because remember, she has the book. It's been hiding on Philip's property. She got the book. Yes. And then Lilith starts to get mad, mad, really mad, and she steals. I need that fucking book because I need my legion of demons. Right, and um, yeah, then she steals Philip. She steals Max. Max. Everyone is stolen. Everyone gets plucked. And Victoria's oh, like... Yeah, Sebastian has disappeared. We have no idea where he is. He disappeared after the carriage scene. 
Well, at he first. disappeared. Well, but then oh, like then the yes, are the, the bronze or the um the chalice place is lit a fire and Sebastian is nowhere to be found. Yes, it's it's weird, and you're kind of like why, and that doesn't get even explained in this book, unfortunately. But Sebastian just goes AWOL. Um, and so then, yeah, so Victoria has to go find her man. She has to go find Max. And it's and there's an epic, epic battle. Epic battle. Philip has been changed. He's been bit. He has been, yes. And he hasn't yet fed. Right. Because in this world, when you're bit, like, if you don't feed on another human, like, their blood, then you're not actually ever fully a vampire. vampire. You are not yet damned. Yes. Once you feed on a your human, then your soul is damned. So but if you just are turned, you might always crave blood, but it's not, your soul's not damned, damned. to hell. Yeah, and I don't think people last in that in-between stage very long. Oh, you obviously oh, do don't, you they? obviously didn't read to book five. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I'll tell you later, I'll tell you later. But the point is, yeah, so, um, she has to go, and she's devastated when she gets to this, like, hideout where Lilith and all of her minions are, and she sees uh, Max, who's, and it becomes clear what we said earlier about how Max has been bit. He's, he's Lilith's bitch. <laughs> he's he's kind of, yeah. He's, I mean, he's fighting it, but he's also her bitch. So he's, at some point in history, kind of, she took a liking to Max, of course, because he's all handsome sexy and sexy. Italian angry, man. And she's like, she feels bad for Max because he's clearly like connected to Lilith in this weird magical way where she can like make him do things. And he's like her, he's kind of like her courtesan or something like, and yeah. so she can drink from him whenever he wants. And he's not really yeah. a vampire, but he's, he's at her mercy and it's painful. Yeah. She has that vampiric control over him. Yeah. She's got the most control because she's Lilith, the queen of vampires. So she's sad to see that. And then she's utterly devastated, devastated. when she sees Philip, who's yes. been turned. Because he really, really, really wants to eat her. Yeah, he's kind of like, my darling, let me uh, bite you and then... We'll, we'll be together forever. And she's like, ew, no, Philip, ew. Gross, why would you suggest that? Yeah, there's nothing Victoria hates more than a vampire. And she's like, fuck. Like, yes. my sweet husband's a vampire, that's gross. But throughout the scene, it's written really great to where you are, you're kind of questioning whether she is going to make the sacrifice that she needs to make. Yes. To... Uh, make things right because there is not really any saving of Philip at this point. No, and it's sad. Ultimately, it is kind of sad, even though he's annoying. Yes, but it's an amazing battle. They uh, do some brilliant things. They manage to escape. Yeah, Max Max gets it together and helps her. They are escaping through the roof with a Helped rope. by their These, dear old friends. Yeah, dear old friends who are part of the, the group. Um, and they... Yeah, it is. And she um, drops the book from her hands and it lands in sunlight. And because it cannot be touched by sunlight, it turns to dust. And you know this, and we didn't really, we didn't actually present that very well earlier. But yes, not only it's like it can't be touched by sunlight either. So it it, it evaporates, like just explodes into dust. And Lilith can't use it anymore. And then they escape. Um, But not before uh, she has to leave Philip there. He is to be left behind. And then. She has to wait. She's devastated. She's dead inside, and she knows that she basically... Um, she knows he's <sighs> going to come to her. She yeah. knows that he is going to come and try to bite her, try to seduce At her At some again. point, right. So the, the book kind of... This is how the book ends. Um, she 
goes back to their home. They sends shared. away all the servants and waits for him. And he, he shows up, he comes into the bedroom. He believes she's sleeping. He's ready to kind of bite her. And they have a passionate moment where he's like, Victoria, I love you. We can be together now forever. Um, and she's like, yes. As she slides a stick into, into his, his heart. And he explodes into dust. And then, of course, because someone is a control freak, Max is hovering in the corner because he's like, <laughs> I just want to make sure you're going to do what you needed to do. Well, and you know what? And in this moment, it's actually written very beautifully even because Max did follow Philip. And I think he ultimately was trying to protect Victoria. He was. He he was in the doorway. He was ready to jump. if Victor- But he also was kind of like is Victoria going to turn on us? Um, because she's a little dilly dally, silly girl. And yes. he doesn't um, think much. Of he her. doesn't think much of her at this point. That does change. But it's like, the point is he's like, once he sees uh, Philip explode into dust, poof, as I like to say, yes. um, he, something clicks for him and he's like, yeah, you're she a Venator. You're a Venator now. And, and, and the we, rest falls away. The rest <laughs> falls away. And he has his own tragic backstory with like having to, you know, his family members were, um, his sister was turned. Max yeah, is, we just don't know about this yet. <laughs> we don't know anything? I thought there was like we a little bit. We don't know a bit. lot of details. Well, he's got a tragic backstory anyway. But the point is like, so he, there's a reason why he's so dark and broody. But they have that moment and um, that's how the book ends. And this is the beginning of her really embracing her role as a Venator, her becoming the slayer for this generation. Yeah. And it's like, I I will say, like, if this sounds good to you, please check out the other books, because I do think the books get more fun. fun. They do get even more fun. fun. And I like even though there's certain things like like I hate Philip and I hate what he is like, it's still fun to read and be like, Oh, I can't wait for this bitch to realize that he is the worst. <laughs> yeah, because she has a lot more fun in the other books. Um, you yes. know, and <laughs> <laughs> a little bit less missionary sex and a little bit more Yes, she's a woman mm-hmm. now. And, she's but, a woman now. Yeah, she's do whatever. This. I don't know, it's all bullshit. But it's like the point is like, you know, these are growing pains. You have to get through the growing pains, and that's what this book really was. Learning who she is, learning that she can't necessarily be both. Yeah. Like the, tr- the 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 flub is gonna fall away. The rest does fall away, and it leaves kind of like this core identity of as a venator. And yes. she's like, you, you remember when when Buffy dies so many times? And they just keep bringing her back. And they just keep bringing her back, and she's like, great. She's dead inside. That's, dead inside. That's um, yeah. What's gonna happen in the next book? All right. So yeah, it was a really fun book, and I think. One of the things I'd love to talk a little bit about was, like, the historical timing of it, like, it being kind of in Victorian England. I loved some of the elements that she pulled into this. Yeah. Like, there were just little elements that me, as my little fascinated with England, self-loved, like, I love the fact that they talked about biscuits in it. And when I brought, <laughs> we were talking about that, um, I had to clarify that that meant cookies. <laughs> I didn't know. It's so fun. <laughs> and, and they also mentioned there's a whole scene that happens in at the Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens. Ah. Uh. And you guys, if I had one dream that I could realize right now, it would be to create a real life pleasure gardens today because it sounds fun but also horrible because 
it's so romanticized now. Mm-hmm. And I read about it in all these, like, historical romances and sounds super sexy. But in reality, there were also people there, like, taking sex workers in with them and just having sex with them in corners of these pleasure gardens. I mean, I get, yeah. I mean, and if it's not consensual, then it's, like, well, a but, horror scene. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- in that case, it is consensual. Sex workers. No, definitely. That's what I mean. But, like, it, if but if it wasn't consensual, oh. then it would be, yeah. yeah like, because basically it ends up being this, like, labyrinth of beautiful gardens that you can get lost in to kind of be a little bit naughty. Like, there would be lavish parties with Food laid out at different places. Yeah. People would be wearing masks, like glorious gowns. It just sounds like the most fun thing ever. It sounds like a fun way to have sex, for sure, in a garden. In a sexy garden. I think we need to bring them back. And if you're ever, ever, ever in London, I highly recommend going to the Museum of London. Um, There's, or the Museum of the City. Of London, and they have like this interactive room where you go in and they project on the walls, and it plays out scenes like you're in a pleasure garden. <laughs> it was my favorite thing. I mean, it doesn't have people having sex in corners like Damn was it. actually happening, unfortunately, but people were gossiping and in the outfits, <laughs> and it is so fun. It's, yes. So like, there's elements about the time that I really love in this story, having this set being something that I love. Mm-hmm. Vampire slayers. Mm-hmm. And also Victorian England. Yeah. It's it's fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe was it the 1860s? Would that been known Victoria? You know, I feel like we have Googlers for this. Do we have Googlers? We have Googlers, also known as cell phones. Get your Googler out. <laughs> Get your Googler out and tell us, when was the Victorian era? The Victorian era was from 1837 oh. to 1901. Oh. And, and I then mean, it was Edwardian when you think about after it, that, right? Yes, yes I believe so. And this one, it lasted a long time because Victoria did not die. She just lived forever. The queen, not Victoria Gardella. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> she did die, but not in the book's time. But yeah. But eventually. Um, yes. But yes. Yeah, so this was definitely somewhere there in the Victorian era. Okay. Oh, wait, no. So, and it was followed by the Georgian period. Oh, excuse me. And it was preceded by the Edwardian period. Excuse me. Ah. I love history. (laughs) I never can keep it straight. But I've, do you know how many times I've gone into Google holes on these things? (laughs) I bet a lot. (laughs) A lot. I love, I love myself a period drama. Oh, yes. I got, I want to say, I got Rachel into Downton Abbey. It was me. (gasps) Oh, I, I resisted Downton Abbey. For years, I decided that it looked boring for some reason. I don't know why I decided this. Um, but I watched it all during time of quarantine. Time and, then, <laughs> and this was like in April of quarantine, it I want to like, say. When she says she watched it all, it was like we were on season one. And then like she, I contacted her like a week later and she was like, well, I'm on season five. And I was like, what? <laughs> I went into a hole. This is what happens when you're laid off of work and then quarantine happens. And you're like, like what well, else is there to do? But I mean, obviously now there's a lot to do, but I, well, in terms of like, you know, fighting systemic racism and yes. like getting everyone to fucking work together to, to end the pandemic. Yes. But, um, yeah, I know it was, it was, it was fun. And so we're always watching right now. We're watching the great. Yes. Great. That's, yes. The great is pretty, pretty great. great. <laughs> um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that 
pretty much wraps up our book. Yeah, it was a fun book, and I definitely recommend it. And if you like it or you like the sound of what you heard today, check out the series. It's very fun. I read it all in, like, literally, I think, what was it, like, two weeks? You were just like... I was moving on to the other books. (laughs) <laughs> Other books. And I was like, yeah, yeah. In a minute, um, right now I'm still with Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I do hope that at some point we'll return to the series and kind of learn more about her journey because it is a fun series. But we also want to kind of play the field a little bit, check out some different styles and different genres, different artists um, and their yeah. point of views. We're trying to offer you a diverse tour of Italy of romance novels. Yes. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. So that is our latest episode of A Real, a Real Bodice, Bodice Ripper. Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> it became a horror movie. <laughs> thank you for listening to A Real Bodice Ripper. Intro, outro, trailer music is Air by D. Yan Ki. You can find us and talk to us at the following. Instagram at A Real Bodice Ripper. Twitter at ARBR Podcast. Or email us at A Real Bodice Ripper at gmail.com. And if you like what you heard, give us a rate on iTunes. Take a care. And many felicitations upon your household. <laughs>